0: How many of you know who Chan Gailey is? Do you recognize that name? Chan Gailey is a football coach. He, uh, he was the head coach of the minor league team in Dallas, uh, the Cowboys, for a while. He has uh, he been the head coach at Georgia Tech, head coach at Buffalo Bills. He's coached a lot. He's been around a lot. But 1984, over 30 years ago, he was the head coach at Troy State University in Alabama, and they were getting ready to play for the Division II National championship. He's out on the field, and his secretary comes out there. That never happens. And she says, Coach, you have a phone call. That would never happen. But she said the call is from Sports Illustrated. Now, if you're not a sports person, for a coach or a player to get a call from Sports Illustrated, that's like me getting a call from Jesus almost. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, you you take that. And so he... He left the practice field. He left with his coach. said, so i got to go in and take that call. So it's about a, a two-minute walk back in, and all the way he's thinking, what are they going to ask me? What am I going to say about the national championship? Do I think we'll win? Are we ready to go? What kind of, you know, is our offense ready? What's my next step? Will I be going to LSU or Notre Dame? You know, he was thinking of all these scenarios that Sports Illustrated is going to ask him. So he gets in there and he picks up the phone to receive his call. And he says, hello. And they says, is this Coach Gailey? And he says, yes, it is. And there's a, there's a pause for a moment. And the lady says, we're just calling from Sports Illustrated to see if you're renewing your subscription for next year. <laughs> How many of you have ever had a disappointing phone call? <laughs> uh, you, you were expecting one thing and it turned out way, way different. What well, it certainly did for that coach. We're in Exodus chapter 3 this morning, and the next two Sundays we're going to be looking at God calling you and me. Exodus 3, if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it'll be on the screens. And I want to begin with this wonderful thought, this wonderful truth. God is trying to call you this morning. God is trying to get through to you. God has a message for you and for me this morning. I don't know about you, but that excites me. In verse 1, the story begins... It says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses is a a shepherd. Now, it says the mountain of God, and that that gives it a wonderful aura of a tremendously spiritual place. Most scholars believe that was written in retrospect years later describing it, because this is where he's going to have an encounter with God. He doesn't know that right now. This is where he's going to get the Ten Commandments later. He doesn't know that right now. So really, it was probably just an ordinary to him at this time, mountain. And he's out doing what shepherds do. He's looking for grass in the desert, which was very hard. And verse 2 and 3, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now what kind of bush was this? Was this some kind of heavenly bush that was special and unique? And No, most scholars think it was just an Acadia bush. That's just a thorny bush that's in the desert. was anything special about it? And this is interesting too. It was not uncommon in the desert for a bush to internally combust. Literally just to catch on fire. Uh, so what he sees this normal bush. He's at the normal mountain. He's the backside of the mountain, backside of nowhere. And this bush burst into flames, which again, that's nothing abnormal. But what was abnormal was it did not burn up. And Moses, or you and me, wouldn't have to be a brain surgeon. If you saw a bush that wasn't burning up, you'd probably walk over to it. This is where it gets exciting in verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I Am. Now, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. That Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and that Hebrew word, it says God called to him. is a great word. It means to summon someone. Listen, it means to call someone by name. It means to call them by name. It means to call them by name for a specific task. It meant that God was calling out to Moses by name. He knew who he was, knew who he was was in the past and who he was in the present. And he was calling out to him because he knew him and he had a task for him. And I want to tell you this morning, friend, God knows you. I was reading last night in my Bible, and I think it's in Luke, where it talks about God knows us so well. He knows the number of hair on our head. And I've said this before. For some of us, that's not much of a challenge. You don't have to beat God to do that. But the fact that God knows uh, some of you, you, got a lot of hair, and that God knows those fine details of your life, God knows you. Moses said, here I am. That phrase literally meant Moses was saying he, God hadn't identified himself yet, but Moses knew something was unique. He was saying, hey... I'm available. I'm listening. I'm open. Whatever you've got to say, I'm here to hear. Listen, that's what God wants you to say this morning. God wants you to humble yourself if you're arrogant or if you're beat down. God wants you to step up. And God wants you to know this, that by name he knows you. And he's calling out to you this morning. And your response right now needs to be, Here I am, God, for the next 20 minutes. I'm going to listen. I'm going to pay attention. And I'm going to focus in to hear what you have to say. Verse 5 and 6. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Good uh, decision on Moses' part. Took off his sandals. In the, in the Eastern culture, a sign of respect and humility was you would take your shoes off when you went in someone's house. Or if they were superior to you. Also, slaves oftentimes did not have shoes. So taking off the shoes was a way of showing humility and, and, and being humble. And, and, and God tells him, now listen, they're in the middle of the desert. They are in the middle of nowhere. It's a common bush that's burning but not burning up. And God says, look, I'm here, Moses, and where I am is holy ground. And I want to tell you this morning, this fires me up. God's here this morning. Folks, we're, on, we're in holy ground today. You can desecrate holy ground. You can ignore it. But I want to tell you, what you're sitting on, and I'm standing on holy ground this morning. And God is here. and God's got a word for you. I want to answer three of your excuses pretty quickly before we move forward. Some of you are already thinking some of this, so I want to answer. God's trying to speak to you, yes. No matter what your age is, God's trying to speak to you. Some people here are saying, I'm too old. Moses was 80 years old when this happened. Moses was getting AARP and senior discounts, uh, at the, at wherever they got him back then. Moses, in our terms, was an old person. But at 80 years old, it had been so easy to have written this off. I'm too old. God's not going to speak to me. God doesn't have a message for me. And listen, in front of me, I know that here's the extremes that we live with. It's you're too young, and then all of a sudden you wake up, and you're too old. That's the story of my life. You were too young, and then you wake up, and you're too old. You're not too, you're not too young. You're here this morning and you're, you're 8 years old or you're 10 years old or you're 30 years old or you're 50 years old or you're 80 years old. If you want to hear and you're open to it, this is, not this awesome? God wants to say something to you. God's got a word for you no matter what your age is. Here's the second thing. No matter what your status is. No matter what your life status. Here's Moses. Moses is 80. Now I'm going to backtrack and give you a little context. Moses is a Jewish person But he was taken from, at a young age, from his Jewish parents, and he was raised in the palace of Egypt. Egypt is the most powerful kingdom in the world. He is raised by the daughter of the king of Egypt. He is raised in plush luxury, given the best education, the best of everything. Listen, you're talking about high and mighty. This guy had it all. Then we'll see in a moment he did something he shouldn't have done. And now he's 80 years old. The last 40 years he's been a shepherd. Now, this is ironic. Shepherds are the most despised class to the Egyptians. Isn't that funny? He was at the top of the world. He lived in the palace. And now he's a shepherd at the most despised class to the Egyptians. You see a little irony there? And I love verse 1. Read it again later or when you get home. It says Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep. Moses is 80 and he doesn't even have his own sheep. I don't know anything about shepherding, but I figure if you're a shepherd by 80, you're still tending, popping, lost sheep. You hadn't done too well. Some of you think this morning you're insignificant. You don't matter. Can God really speak to me? Absolutely. Some of you may think, well, you know, I'm pretty important, and you may be in the world's eyes. By the way, everybody's important. But I want you to write this down if you're writing it down, because this is a great quote. You can never be too small for God to use you, but you can be too big. You see, God can take the smallest, most earthly-wise-looking vessel and use it for tremendous ways. The only thing that's going to hinder you this morning status-wise if you think you're too big. You have a Ph.D. or a G.E.D., I want to tell you, God can speak to you and is trying to speak to you this morning i want to give you one last thought and i think this is very important no matter what your past is some of you are saying this morning preacher that this is all good for religious people but you don't know me you don't know what i did last night you don't know what's in my past 40 years ago you don't know what's in my past 10 years ago let's take a look at moses Folks, Moses left Egypt not because he wanted to become a shepherd. That was his life goal. Moses murdered somebody. Moses murdered somebody. He really was he was had committed treason against his country and his king. He murdered somebody. He left Egypt because his own head was on the chopping block. Moses was a murderer. So here's an 80 year old murderer who'd spent the last 40 years in the desert, and God is speaking to him this morning. I want to tell you, no matter what your past is, if you'll come clean to God, God's got a word for you today. God's got something for you. Isn't that good? This is a great quote. It's not original with me, but it's a great quote. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every person has some kind of a past. And every sinner, which we all are, has a future. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, if you're open, if you're willing to hear it, no matter your past, your age, your status, through our music, through the Bible reading through the sermon, if you want to hear it, God's got a word for you. And that brings me to our second big thought this morning. God's going to call you to do something that will be life-altering. I think I'll prove that to you in the next few minutes. Now, I mean, you can ignore it. You don't have to do it. You have to live with the consequences. But I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. God's trying to get your attention. God's got a word for you. And God has something for you that if you will obey it, will alter your life and maybe a whole lot of other people. Verse 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. Man, listen to this. God says, I see, I hear, and I'm concerned. And I want to tell you, God still sees, God still hears, and God's still concerned. Isn't that good? Verse 8, so I have come down. God's going to get involved to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This promised land that I've told you about years and years ago. Verse 9. The cry of the Israelites, Moses, your Jewish brothers and sisters have reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are impressing them. Listen, hold verse 10 there for a second. I'm telling you right now, Moses is saying, preach it, God. Amen. He's fired up because he loves his Jewish people. He tried to deliver them 40 years earlier. He failed, but he tried. And he knows they've been slaves for 400 years. And he wants wants them to be free. They're being mistreated. And God's saying, I'm going to do it. Isn't that great? But here's where Moses has the uh uh-oh moment. Verse 10. So now you go... I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. It's not in the Bible, but I'm telling you. Moses said, come again. (laughs) Or he started looking around. He's going, "Uh, who are you talking to, God? (laughs) Pharaoh is the most powerful king in the world. He's got 2 million, let's say, free laborers, slaves. He's had them for hundreds of years now. And, And God is telling this... Old man shepherd, who's wanted in that country or had been for murder, he's telling him, I'm calling you to leave your comfort and your ease and the way you like it in this nice spot here in the desert. I'm calling you to be my hands and my feet and my voice and to go and deliver those people. How many of you think Moses was in shock? We're going to see next week Moses' response. And it wasn't really religious at first. So, yes, I believe God's got a word for you. God's got a word for you that may alter your life and it may alter other people's for eternity if we will obey. If we'll obey. I want to give you a couple of application points here. Folks, these aren't exhaustive, but these are just some things maybe this morning God's putting his finger on your heart about. Maybe God's pressing on you. Here's number one, maybe God's telling you this morning to give your life to Him. What do I mean by that? I I mean by that, that maybe you're religious. Maybe you've been in church a lot. Maybe you're not religious. Maybe you've not been in church much. But you've never truly given your life to Christ. The first call God ever issues to any of us is to give our hearts to Him. Some of you, God's pressing that on your heart this morning. You've been baptized, you've been sprinkled, you're a church member at some church, but you've never been saved, and God's pushing that on your heart this morning. Are you willing to hear that? About three years ago, several months apart, two ladies in our church were saved. Came down on Sunday morning, were saved. I'll never forget what both of them told me later. They said, when I came to church this morning, that was the farthest thing from my mind. That wasn't on my radar. And then as the the sermon began, after the music, God began to push on my heart and push on my heart. And I realized that call that I was hearing, that uneasiness, that dissatisfaction that's been in my life for years, was I'd never given my life to Christ, and I answered that call today. Maybe that's God's call to you. Here's the second option. Maybe he's saying, come back to him. You see, many of you here today are Christians. I would ask you this morning, how is your walk with God today? Some of you have great walks with God. Some of you, it's not, it's not near what it was. It's not near what it used to be. And you look back and you go, you know what? My, I'm not where I was with Jesus three months ago. Some of you say, I, I'm not where I was with Jesus five years ago. Some of you have been wandering now for 10, 20 years. I want to ask you, when are you going to hear that call from God and come back to Him? Man, it could be radical. It could change your life if you put yourself back under Jesus like you once were. Here's a third thing, a third option. Maybe God's telling you to hang in there with some situation, you're about ready to quit. You're about ready to jump ship. You're about ready to to say, I can't do this job anymore. I can't handle this relationship anymore. I'm tired of sports. I'm tired of school. Maybe God's telling you this morning, and this can be the most spiritual message you need to hear today, is hang in there. Galatians 6, 9, write that verse down if you're taking notes. Great verse. It says, don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Maybe God's saying, hang in there. Now, I'm going to contradict myself with this. Maybe God's telling you this morning, cut it loose. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe at work or, or in your situation or in a relationship or, or, or some situation in your life around town, it's time for a change, and God's saying, cut it loose. You know, we're so funny. We know a rut's a bad place to be, but we will stay in a rut, won't we? Instead of get up on smooth ground because it's hard. Many years ago, I, Clayton and I went and Mary went to a Baptist college in Tennessee, and we were having chapel and had a, a, an outstanding nationally known preacher come in. He preached a great sermon. I don't even remember what it was about. But it was many years ago, and I remember it was a powerful sermon. One of my friends was a guy named Kenny Sheeley, and Kenny w- was a preacher. He was a great guy. He was engaged to a girl lived in Kentucky. and he, I found this all out after the fact. But for several months, he'd been struggling whether this was the person he needed to marry or not. And as God spoke through that preacher that day, it impressed on his heart you've got to end this relationship, you've got to cut it loose. He left chapel that day. His fiance lived in Kentucky, and he went and he called her and said, We're over. It was terrible, it was tough. But you know what, after he got past that initial hurt, three months later, God brought the person he was supposed to marry into his life. And I guarantee if you were to talk to the one who got broken up with and with him today, they would all tell you it was awesome because it was from God. Sometimes God says, hang in there. Sometimes God says, cut it loose. You got to be honest with yourself about what God's saying to you this morning. Let me give you another thing. Maybe God's telling you to join this church today. Do you need a church family? Absolutely you need a church family. And I want to tell you, if we could go around the room, if I could interview some people, we're not going to, they would tell you that, now, it's not just this church. I'm not putting this on a pedestal, but I'm talking about this church. Maybe it's this church with you and God. And they would tell you that joining this church, when God led them to, changed their lives. I've seen families join and their kids get saved and we baptize their kids and occasionally people will join and then later they'll get saved. (laughs) And and I think they would tell you that it's changed their family. It's changed their lives. I know it's changed our church. If God's telling you you need to do that, obey the voice of God. Here's another option. Maybe it's answering His call on your career. Young people, the quicker you find this out, the better it will be. But I'm talking to young people and I'm talking to some of you who aren't so young today. Here's the worst thing that's happened to some of you. You've got in a job and you make good money, but you're miserable. And you go, how in the world... Can I pursue this other career that I know that's where I'm supposed to be? That's what God made me for. But I'm living in a nice house, and I got a nice car, and I make a big paycheck, and I just hate what I do because you miss God. The sad thing is, is most people will, will live the rest of their life in their misery instead of cut loose and follow God. You go, well, I'm going to be 50 in five years. Well, you're going to be 50 in five years whether you're in the same miserable career or you're in God's career. Amen? Well, I'll I'll have to take a pay cut. Take a pay cut. I may have to move in a smaller house. You can probably survive in a smaller house. Some of you, listen, God is going to call some of you to do stuff that you're going to go, there is no way I can do this. You know what? That may be one of the greatest proofs that it's God calling you. There was a, a young man in Texas years ago, felt God calling him to preach, to be a preacher. He stuttered. He was very, very shy. He was a teenager. And when he surrendered to preach, people almost told him, God was telling you to go plow, not to go preach. He got up and he preached his first sermon. He preached five minutes. You guys would love that, wouldn't you? He preached five minutes. He started crying. He couldn't finish. The preacher had to get up behind him and close out the service. It was a disaster. But he believed that this is what God called him to do. And he prayed and he worked and he prayed and he worked and he prayed and he worked. And that guy's a guy named Frank Pollard, that in 1979, Time Magazine named him one of the top 10 preachers in America. Isn't that a great story? You see, what God calls you to do isn't about what mom or dad or anybody else thinks you should do or you can do. It's about what God calls you to do. Find out where God wants you to be. And if that means you have to change careers and go back to school or flip around, whatever it takes. Listen, you'd rather lay in bed at night knowing you were where God wanted you to be in a smaller bed than in a big bed and be miserable. Amen? Follow God about your career. I want to give you another thing. That's about... This children's building we're getting ready to build. We're getting ready to build a new children's building. And we've tried to say over these last months that it's not about bricks and mortars. It's about young lives being changed forever. That is a building where people are going to be saved and kids are going to be changed for eternity. That is awesome, isn't it? And as much as I wish they built those things for free, they don't. It's going to be about $4.8 million. That's a lot of money to me. Some of you, it's nothing, but it's a lot to me. What would God have you do towards that? There's a guy named A.L. Williams, not the A.L. Williams football coach in Ruston, but A.L. Williams, an insurance guy. And in the 90s, he gave, listen to this, he gave $70 million to Liberty Baptist University in Virginia. $70 million. It transformed that university. It is now the largest university in the world. Largest Christian university in the world. We won't know till we get to heaven 500 years from now how many lives have been changed forever by that gift. I don't know. There may be people in this room today that could give 3 or 4 million to that children's building. That'd be awesome. Maybe you can give a million. Maybe you can give 300 extra a year above your tithe. Find out what God wants you to do and do it. Obey God's call about that. And here's the last thing I want to share with you. Maybe God's trying to speak to you about something that's unique to you. Obviously, in a sermon, we can't go through 50 application points. But some of you, if you're listening to God, he's trying to tell you something. In verse 10, let's look at it again. So, no, so, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Wow. Moses didn't want to do that. If you don't believe me? Come back next week. I'll prove it. Moses wasn't any way, earthly or humanly, he didn't feel qualified. But he heard that voice, the voice of God calling him. And God wasn't calling him just to say, hello, God, had a life-altering call for him. And I don't know specifically what God's saying to you, but I know if you're listening and you're open, God's trying to communicate to you. God's trying to tell you something that if you will hear Him and you will obey Him, will change your life and maybe hundreds or thousands of other people forever. 2011, November of 2011, there was a, a young man, he was a freshman at the University of Tennessee. Six o'clock at night, he was sitting in his fraternity house. Actually, he said he was laying on the couch eating potato chips, getting ready to watch the Tennessee balls kick off at seven o'clock that night. This is a true story. And his cell phone rings. Well, he's laying on the couch, and he's, he can't find it. He's fumbling for it. He thinks, well, I just won't get it. But he does. He gets it. It's the University of Tennessee football department telling him that a police escort is coming to get him to rush him to the locker room immediately. Derek had walked on that fall for the University of Tennessee as a kicker, and he did not make the final cut, so they, he was not a part of the team. He was a good kicker, but they had two kickers better, and they just didn't want to keep a third kicker around. Well, the, the first string kicker had been injured, and in warm-ups that night, the backup kicker who was going to be kicking pulled a muscle in his leg and that's the worst place a kicker can pull a muscle is in his leg. so they didn't have a kicker so they rush this guy who's on the couch eating potato chips to the stadium he doesn't know why and he gets there and they say we're gonna put a uniform on you the trainers going to stretch you and you're going to kick tonight for the University of Tennessee he goes out he kicks three extra points and he kicks a field goal, and Tennessee wins 24 to nothing. That night in the locker room, that was Derek Dooley was the head coach then, former tech coach, gives the game ball to Derek Broaddus. <laughs> and everybody cheers, and they yells. And here he says, I'm holding the game ball in a University of Tennessee football uniform. I just kicked three extra points in a field goal, and four hours earlier, I am laying on my couch eating potato chips. <laughs> There is a God. (laughs) But then he said this horrible thought went through his head. What if I hadn't answered that call? God's calling. Will you answer it? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray that God has touched your heart and that you're willing to hear and do what He tells you to do. If you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you are, listen, I know God's calling to you this morning. If you're ready to answer that, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son and that you died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And today I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I I want to challenge you. Answer God's call. Answer God's call. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready to, when we stand, would you come today and talk to one of our ministers? Would you cross that line with Jesus this morning? Maybe you're here today and you're ready to join the church. You can do it after church. You can do it now. When we stand, you can come and join us. We'd love for you to. Maybe you're here today as a Christian and and God's speaking to you. Maybe you don't even know what it is. Just say, God, I'll do it. Maybe you know where you're standing or at the altar with a minister. You need to say, God, with your help, I'm answering that call to say yes. Let's stand, and you come now as God leads you.